Well, I heard you were no ordinary chapel, and now I'm living it. This is great. Good morning. I heard you like call-outs, and you know, being an educator and being limited, I can't even do visuals. I have to stand here and do unidirectional lecturing, such a you know micro method. That's really hard on me. So I'm glad for you to be loud this morning. It, you know, that'll really help. It's Friday morning. My flight was canceled middle you know late last night. So, you know, I I'm toast. And you're a month into your term, um, and you're starting to feel the weight and the deadline's coming on, and it's Friday, so you're toast too, so we can all enjoy that together in the God's grace, because God is good. Yeah, call it back to me. God is good, and you say, all the time, all the time, even when your flight's canceled in the middle of the night, Atlanta. So thank you, Ben, by the way, for leading us and giving us some worship time this morning. Please know that as I bring you some findings that have been very striking to me in our leadership and our resiliency uh, research, and these things go hand in glove together, the art of leadership and staying in for the long haul. Um, as I bring you some of the unique things that we found, I just want you to know I am the chief learner um, still. Like these things are things that I still struggle with, I'm still learning, I'm still having to practice, um, and so I just want to not act like I know it all just because I can use some good big words with you this morning. So we're doing leadership in the key of D for a few minutes here. It's the key of D because these words just happen and I didn't make it up to all start with a letter D. And I know you're going to say, no, you're PCA, so of course you alliterated it. But they do all start with a letter D. But for you mu musicians, call out to you, it's D major. It's when we talk about leadership, let's make sure we're talking about a sure hope in the love of Jesus. Let's make we're sure we're talking about the sure hope of the redemption of all things. The key of D major is the key of celebration and victory, okay? So let's look at our D words here um, about leadership. I'm really only going to focus on two um, that, I wanna, that I want you to hear about. Um, first, let's start with leadership. When I use the word leadership, I mean something very particular. I mean an art. So it takes creativity. It takes improvisation. The art of gathering people to work on their challenges and problems. Okay? The art of gathering people to work on their challenges and problems. That's what I mean when I say leadership. And you may be thinking right now, leadership, what does it have to do with me? I'm just a college student, whatever. But every time you're gathering with other people, whether it's to do homework together, a group assignment, uh, you're working on conflict with a roommate or a friend, or maybe it's just friends trying to figure out where to go out to eat, you're exercising the art of leadership, gathering together with people to figure something out. Um, let's start by grounding ourselves in two verses that you probably know very well, just to remind us of who we are in our thinking about leadership and sustainability and who God is. From Colossians, Paul writes to us, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as a reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. He's confident that the Colossians are serving Jesus. What a beautiful thing. I want us to have that confidence too, that when the work is hard, really hard, that still it's the Lord that we're serving and we don't need to be motivated by trying to please other people or try to meet their expectations on us. 
Second verse, Ephesians 2. You know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 really well, right? But when did you learn verse 10? Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We are his workmanship already. It's already done. We don't have to work for it. God has gifted us that. And he even prepared the good works for us to walk in, to walk, right? Paul's very intentional about his metaphors. It's a dailiness, right? It's a steady pace so that we can finish the race. You know, our culture tends to tell us, and that culture, that just means the air we're breathing every day, right? Pressure's on. It tends to tell us, hey, you know what? Maturity is being super busy all the time. That's maturity. That's, that's leadership. I'm like, mm, no. Paul said, walk. God already put him in front of you. Walk in it. Um, so let me, let me uh, note then where we're going with this. Have you noticed that as you get older, as you get more educated, the messier the world seems? Like you know each degree is just a higher level of confusion, right? Okay. My, my sense of humor. Um, the more complicated life gets, the more decisions you're having to make. The bigger the decisions are, the heavier, the weightier they feel, the more people that those decisions that you make impact, right? That's all leadership, that sense of I am having to make decisions that impact a lot of people, not just me. And that's getting more and more complicated. Um, and that's an issue of leadership for us. So here's our five big D words. Uh, let me name them out for you. And you feel free to call them back because I want you to stay awake just a few more minutes, right? First one, diversity. diversity. Discernment. Discernment. Discipline. Those you're not too surprised about. Here's the two we're going to camp on, though. Disappointment. Disappointment. Differentiation. Differentiation. There you go. Five words. They are, these are five things that tend to wipe us out from leadership. They're also five things that our society doesn't do very well with. It's not helping us with these things because our culture, the pressures are kind of going the other way. So I'll just list the first three quickly diversity, the sense that to lead, to gather people, to work problems together means that we all have different opinions, we all have different perspectives, we're seeing it differently, and we need each other. And so being um, a leader, exercising that art and creativity to solve problems and make decisions means I need to hear from you. And, and I need to help us hear from each other. It's not about me having answers and get behind me. I know where we're going. I got the answers. No, it's, whoa, let's slow down. We need to hear from each other. And let's think how diverse and honor how diverse our perspectives are. Because if we're trying to solve a problem together, we need all the help we can get. That's very hard for our culture right now, to be curious and to think how other people might see things. Second word, discernment. That's about making good decisions, right? A weighty word. The real key that we found in our research is we don't slow down enough to work discernment. Discernment takes time. It means we have to slow down to think about what we think and to actually learn from our emotions because, you know, the emotions happen way faster than the thinking does. So we have to pause, sort out our thoughts, learn from our emotions, do some reflection, prayer, bring in scripture to serve us with wisdom, right? Discernment. Very hard thing for a culture that's so fast-paced, and the pace is increasing, say, our social sciences. So that takes a lot of 
discipline. So there's our third D word. In order to slow down and not think I have the answers, to listen and really value the diversity and the opinions and perspectives of the people around me, to slow down, to learn from my emotions, to sort out my thoughts, to do that hard reflection work, right? They all take discipline. They're just really hard to do. Frankly, we have people and places to go, right? I mean, um, we're, we're busy. Uh, so discipline. The act of slowing down is one of the key findings uh, in our Resilient Ministry book in every category. What was wiping us out from sustainability in Christian leadership was that we weren't slowing down enough to, to uh, ponder what was going on in our lives and in our ministries and in our world. Okay, now to the big D word, disappointment. Disappointment is a really important part of leadership. It's the result of discipline, discernment, and making good decisions in a diverse group of people. Here's a favorite quote, and this is from two uh, very brilliant men at Harvard Business School that teach leadership. They said, exercising leadership might be understood as disappointing people at a rate they can absorb. So there you have it. I want to wish you lots of good leadership. Go out there and disappoint people. But do it at a rate, yeah, do it at a rate they can absorb. Whoa, what does that mean, right? So why is this so important, this idea of learning how to disappoint well? It's because we feel the weight of expectations on us so heavily. We feel the weight of other people's expectations, whether they're real or not. You feel that weight on your shoulders, and it's very heavy. And you feel the weight of your own expectations on yourself. So they're both external and internal expectations. And we found that in the area of resiliency and hanging in for the long haul, expectations can really wipe us out if they're leading the way, if they're telling us what good works we should be walking in, right? Um, so let's contemplate how our culture talks to us about expectations for a minute. I've got some quotes from you. Sam Walton, high expectations are the key to everything. Yeah, maybe some, yeah. High expectations, the key to everything. So set your expectations way up here and go for it. How about William Shakespeare, on the other hand? Expectation is the root of all heartache. Yeah, we get that one a lot easier, don't we? The root of all heartache. But you know where I think we really want to go, and I'm sorry I can't put it up, but I'm super excited that you're doing Hello, Dolly. I'm so, I love musicals, so that's awesome. So I'm just going to have to describe to you, but sometimes our wisest people are our artists because they look at our culture and then they name it for us in a way that we couldn't see without them. So I'm going to call out... Um, a comic strip from Bill Watterson, Calvin and Hobbes, and I'm sorry you can't see it, so I'm just going to act it out for you. We're going classic. So picture Calvin, and he's sitting at his desk. Now Calvin's this little fifth grade boy, he's very precocious, and he's sitting at his desk at school, and Calvin does not do well with formal education, I can tell you. He's sitting there, and he just got his paper back, and sitting right next to him is his arch nemesis, uh, what's her name, Susie, his next-door neighbor, the girl next door, arch-nemesis, and she's a type A personality. So anyway, they're both looking at their papers, and Calvin says, so what grade did you get? And Susie says, I got an A. Susie always gets A. Calvin says, 
really, well, boy, I'd hate to be you. I got a C. And Susie goes, why on earth would you rather get a C than an A? Calvin, I find my life is a lot easier the lower I keep everyone's expectations. <laughs> Disappoint at a rate that other people can absorb. Here's four points about expectations. The first thing is expectations are toxic to us when they are unspoken and undiscussed. The fact that expectations are usually hidden, that I think you expect from something from me, but I don't really know because we haven't talked about it, that makes them toxic to our relationships. Second, we often are not aware of expectations. We didn't even know we had them until we're disappointed. And that's true for the people around us too. So they're both hidden from us in the sense that they're not spoken, and so we're just guessing what the expectations are out there, and then they're hidden from us in the sense that we don't even know our own until we experience disappointment. Quite a challenge. Third, expectations need to be discussed to gain assessment, right? Again, there's that back to that discernment and discipline. Assess the expectations, some mutual agreement, and then some healthy accountability. That's when expectation can be healthy for us, when people agree, and they're holding each other accountable to move forward in that way. Right? But uh, to add to the challenge of expectations, our culture itself places huge expectations on it. And I really like the way uh, researcher Brene Brown said, we live in a culture of not enough. That there's, it's always not enough. And it's not enough blank, fill in the blank. And I can do it really well this morning after having just a few hours in a hotel last night. Oh, I didn't get enough sleep. Oh, there's not enough time for breakfast. Oh, there's not enough, whatever, go on, right? Not enough, not enough, not enough. And guess what happens in a culture of not enough? Where we're just always expecting more and it's never enough, it starts pointing inward to where it becomes, I'm not enough. And I feel the weight of all these expectations and I'm not enough and it's very detrimental to ourselves. That's where we have to push back. We are God's workmanship. He has good works for us to do. And we need to disappoint with wisdom and discernment a lot of people in our lives as part of our leadership, as part of our sustainability and our resiliency. Now, let's talk about how to do disappointing well. Disappointing with grace and truth. What does that look like? It takes that last D word, differentiation. How many of you have worked on that word? Our psych majors, SOS majors, a few of us? It's a great word, y'all. Get this word, differentiation. Say it to me. Yeah, it's a great word, technically differentiation of self is what we're talking about. This is how we figure out how to disappoint ourselves and other people well. It's a key leadership skill that says, no, and I'm going to move towards you at the same time. Get that? I'm going to say no, I'm going to say I disagree, I'm going to stand on my values, I'm going to stand on Christ the Rock, and yet I'm going to move towards you relationally at the very same time. I'm going to do both. Let's listen to a couple of my favorite descriptions of differentiation, because it's a complicated um, topic in the literature. This is from The Leader's Journey. Differentiation deals with the effort to define oneself, to control oneself, to become a more responsible person. We're like, yada, yada, that feels like a lot of expectations. Okay, and here's the key, to permit others to be themselves as well. 
So it means not only do I work on taking inappropriate expectations off myself and disappointing inappropriate expectations around me, I don't place them on you either. I have to do both and at the same time. Uh, or another one, differentiation is the ability to build significant relationships and not have our behaviors determined inappropriately by those relationships. It's not that we aren't supposed to um, impact each other's lives. We are in the most beautiful way. It takes the body of Christ to mature towards Christ. It takes us both individually and as a body. It's both an individual and a corporate work. And so is us being God's workmanship and walking in those good works. But this is saying, let's talk about doing the both and. It's a significant relationship, but I don't allow you to, to push on me inappropriately. I'm going to say no. I'm going to disappoint. I'm not going to try to control you or manipulate you in turn. Now, Scotty Smith, I love the way Scotty Smith summarizes. He said, thick skins big hearts at the same time. It's, you know, we tend to fall off the horse one side or the other. We either had really thick skins or we have really big hearts and, right, in our overworking, overpleasing, trying to meet everyone's expectations. It's usually one or the other. We have these really thick skins and they're so thick that we're not building significant relationships and we're not loving people well in truth. So healthy differentiation, it makes a difference between ministering or manipulating. It's the difference between exercising leadership or going to legalism. That's really, really big, um, big difference. Here's some keys. It enables us to work according to our biblical values and goals. Wow, and here's the hard part for me that I really have to, it's not caving into cultural or relational pressures, not contradicting our values by seeking your approval or your approval or your approval, or fearing your disapproval. Fearing your disapproval can also be a where I manipulate in a sense myself, right? And that's not healthy differentiation. It's not taking responsibility for others' emotions and reactions. I should not be trying to control your emotions and reactions. So what does this look like? Here's what it looks like. An acquaintance comes up to you this afternoon and says, hey, what you doing this weekend? And you're, you go, bing, 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 I feel expectations coming. That's a blank check. I don't want to write that blank check. So I respond, uh, why? What, what are you thinking about? Oh, well, I have this really big project, and I could really use a lot of help. And I thought maybe I could get you to help me on it, like all Saturday morning. And you're, what do you do next? You've got quick, what are you going to do? to operate in a differentiated mode, right, in a healthier mode. Well, what happens, unfortunately, is we tend to react by just going, oh, let me pray about that and get back to you, which really means I don't want to deal with you right now <laughs> a lot of times. Or we say, oh, of course, I would so love to help you with that project. I'd love to devote all of Saturday to you, which is a lie. Um, but you know what? I have this, and then I have to do this, and then I have to do this, and we backpedal it. And we excuse ourselves by listing all the reasons that we have to say no in order to try to manipulate that person to not be mad at us for saying no. Do you see that's a lack of healthy differentiation? Healthy differentiation would be I'd very quickly take a deep breath, think, pray, discern, but say, I really need to say no. 
Um, and then the catch is what do you do after you say no so that you can help the person absorb the disappointment, right? If we're going back to our, those terms. To disappoint well in grace and truth. I move towards them relationally. How do I move towards this person relationally? Well, think differentiate with a big A. Ask a good question. So it's a no. Pause and take a breath. Don't backpedal. Don't make excuses for yourself. And say, but tell me about your project for a minute. It sounds like you're really passionate about it, like it means a lot to you. You do something that's relational. You ask a good question, even as you say no. Or maybe you say, no, I, I won't be able to help at all. Is there maybe some other way I can help? Or could I help you find someone else to help? You know, maybe there is another way that we could reach out to them um, and help with the project. And we just need to ask a good question. I'm going to affirm them. What if they then have a fit and they start calling me names and they get all angry because I said no? My role is to continue to love them and allow them the that they have their own emotions and their own reactions, and I cannot control, and I should not control those. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. I agree, and it's so incredibly hard to do this. <laughs> so allowing, so there's my A's, differentiate, ask a good question, and allow them to be um, the person that they are. You can't take responsibility for them at that point. Um, respect the fact that they're an image bearer. Um, so differentiation. Now the next time you're in the Gospels, here's an interesting way to spend some time with Jesus. Say, Lord, show me your perfect differentiation in all these crazy conflictual encounters that Jesus had. Differentiation. There's one person we can look to who shows us perfectly how to say no, how to state truth, and yet move towards us relationally in perfect love. And that's our Lord. And by the way, did Jesus disappoint people at a rate they could absorb? I don't know. But did Jesus disappoint people? You know he did. And that's another thing you're going to see when you look back at the Gospels with our two big D words, disappointment and differentiation. You'll see that Jesus himself disappointed pretty much everybody, his family, the disciples, his closest friends, the religious leaders, the Roman leaders, everyone except his father, his father God. He did not disappoint him. So to close, we're going to do a quick uh, call-out response because differentiation is about doing two things at once and there is no balance to it. This is balance, right? You know, our culture thinks balance is the answer to everything. What's wrong with this? You know, if you've got problems financially, balance your checkbook. Got problems with your health, balance your... Balance your uh, your eating, you know, balance your diet, got other challenges, balance your work life. The problem with the word balance is, you math people and scientists know, there's only one right point of balance. It's very hard to find in our complicated world as us complicated human beings, and it's not sustainable if we did find it, like standing on a teeter-totter. So the next time you hear yourself use the word balance, go, mm, no, I need to work my leadership a little more. I need to work my differentiation and, and my disappointment a little more. I need to work it as in, oh, work out. <laughs> my band is getting a little old. As in work out, not tension headache, but work out the tension. So call back with me in our closing here to work out a tension of discernment and differentiation to help us disappoint better. Unfortunately, we can't read it together, so we'll do call and response. 
knowing, and you can pull, pretend you have a rubber band with your attention band, and we're exercising, it's always in motion, and we're always having to pull both ways. Knowing who we are according to Scripture, say it out. Knowing who we are according to Scripture, not allowing others to define us. Not allowing others to define us. Self-denial when yoked with Jesus. Self-stewardship to finish the race, he has said. Respecting others as God's image bearers. As God's image bearers, right? Resisting trying to control them. Pursuing connection with significant people. Not surrendering our principles. Empathizing with others' frustrations, not necessarily agreeing with them. And finally, with the most biggest expectation I can ever imagine being placed on someone, when they came up to John the Baptist and said, are you the Christ? John said, no, I am not the Christ. With me? No, I am not the Christ. But then with the Apostle Paul, but by God's grace, I am who I am. But by God's grace, I am who I am. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you showed us perfect differentiation in Jesus, that we can indeed stand in our principles, those that you've given us in who we are, who you've made us to be, the good work you've called us to do, not the work of all the expectations in our own minds and hearts and in those we perceive from the people around us. So strengthen us to learn how to disappoint well in grace and truth with healthy self-differentiation, Lord, because we want to stand on the rock that is you, Jesus. Amen.